eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. <laughs> let me let me fill you in on a little something. If you're a kid who grew up in the South, like me, you're taught your entire adolescence that the Big Ten is God's gift to college athletics, and you're just a knuckle dragger from south of the Mason-Dixon. And I got to be real, as a child, as a vulnerable youth of the SEC footprint, growing up, all of a sudden looking up at the Big Ten and seeing scandal to the left, scandal to the right, Welcome to the party, guys. It feels like the party, by the way, was going on for a lot longer than anyone wants to lead on, but welcome to the party nonetheless. We are jam-packed. Late Kick is live earlier than usual because I have a flight to catch later tonight. It is Tuesday, November 7th, the year of our Lord, 2023, and with that comes a new chapter of uh, the aforementioned scandal, and we'll get into that tonight. But we're high atop and earlier than usual downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, I got several things to say about Michigan, and apparently... Some other folks who have joined in on the fun up in the Big Ten. I am certainly going to go a direction that some of you find abhorrent tonight. So just lock in, stick with me. It's not hatred, it's just an opinion. It is the Tuesday show, which means we have full week 11 predictions. We've got big games to break down tonight. I've got a brand new JP poll, which we are strategically, yeah, strategically getting out ahead of the college football playoff rankings tonight. And if you are assuming that I'm doing this show early just so I don't have to talk about the playoff rankings. Factually, that's not true, but I'm willing to go with it anyway. I've got added best bets tonight. we got a lot to talk about. Lynn, Massachusetts is tuned in. Chandler, Arizona. Ann Arbor, Michigan. Thank you, guys. And Huntsville, Alabama. As I said, I'm headed to New York later tonight. I will be on Inside College Football tomorrow night with Rick Neuheisel, Brian Jones, Brent Stover. It's a really, really fun time, and... Who knows? Tune in to see what I wear, if nothing else, because frankly, I don't even know the answer to that yet. But let's dive into the show tonight. We've got a lot to discuss, you and I. So um, as you know, this time of year, apparently in this college football season of ours, we can't go a day without having off the field distractions. And I say distraction 
very loosely because some people don't view this as a distraction. Some people relish in this sort of thing. They bathe in it because they, and let me lean into the microphone close because I don't want everyone to hear this. A lot of people don't really care about the sport of football all that much. A lot of people just love the, you know, the things that exist in orbit of or on the periphery of sports. A lot of folks, in other words, would much more prefer to talk about scandal than they would talk about third and seven this Saturday and how it pertains to who's going to win the Michigan-Penn State game. I happen to exist in the camp that loves the sport, but since I am not my audience, you are, and this is all you guys are talking about, look at this. This is me reluctantly being drug into this conversation. So I'm going to take a little sip of much more than room temperature hot water here, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on this, and it will upset some, and that's okay. I've already spoken about it at length, and I'll continue to do so. Mm. Another day, another chapter in the whole Michigan sign-stealing investigation, which has now expanded. It's not just the Michigan sign-stealing investigation. It is the Big Ten sign-stealing investigation slash scandal slash conundrum. You probably woke up this morning and went to your job or went off to school because you're a normal human who has a life to live. But elsewhere in college athletics, it was a Tuesday. We got big games on the docket for Saturday, but no one was talking about it because everyone was talking about multiple, multiple reports now as of just after five o'clock central time today that detail how, lo and behold, it wasn't just Michigan stealing signs in the Big Ten. There was a fairly coordinated effort last year to share information behind the scenes between multiple universities in the Big Ten. And that information was Michigan's signs that they had acquired. And it was basically trafficking of information behind the scenes to take down a familiar foe. And that foe is Michigan. I want you to know that because that's the details. That's the what and the why is pretty obvious. But what do you think about that? If I just told you basically what we know, those were several reports that came out today. I mean, the, the folks over at SI went as far as I think Richard Johnson and Forty had like actual PDF screenshots of some of the documents. And by the way, do you people not possess the capability to do things off of these devices? It, it's called a paper trail. I know it's called a paper trail. You, you don't have to physically have paper. Like if you have a Google Doc, that's paper, guys. You can't be leaving this stuff behind. I'm going to leave that out there because Meemaw would never have me make an argument like that. Meemaw would just say, keep it clean. But if you're not going to keep it clean, but <laughs> word of mouth, word of mouth works okay. Hand-drawn. Look, I still go hand-drawn notes on this show for a reason. I don't want any record of this. What if I make a wrong prediction? I don't want any record of that. But there you guys went. Several of you up there. Did you really think the lips would be that sealed shut? And of course they weren't. So today we get this report. Michigan says... Well, if you're going to screw us, we're taking the rest of you down with us. What did I think about that? I didn't think much of it at all because it was very expected. I should have said on the show last week what I told our staff and what a lot of coaches, frankly, had admitted. And that was, hey, we had this going on. Uh, th this was done not just in Ann Arbor, Michigan. The devil was in the details. So a lot of this information was kind of known behind the scenes. It was just that, hey, we didn't acquire the information like they acquired the information. You need to focus on how they acquired the information. And frankly, that's not the worst point in the world. But I think now 
you've got so much noise in the room and the lights are so bright in the room now that it's really hard to just put the noise cancellation headphones on, put the racehorse blinders on, and just focus on what's important. What's important is were rules broken to gain a competitive advantage. Now, I know this makes me sound 10, and I'm really innocent here right now. Look at him. How adorable. Let's stroke his cheek. Let's pat him on the head. He's worried about rules being broken. He thinks only one institution up there is breaking the rules. Well, it's not that. It's just if you're watching this show to hear my opinion, I've heard about the stuff that got reported today being done for a long time, not just in the Big Ten. I've heard of coordinated efforts. Look, you don't think people in the SEC coordinate to try and take Nick Saban down? Are you serious? That stuff's done all the time. I don't really care that you have the information, and I don't really care that you share the information. That's the price you pay for being on top. I care how you got the information. You know, if you sat there and watched TV copy of Alabama games and they were that loose and sloppy with their signals versus hacking into a database, well, that would be two different things, wouldn't it? And so I didn't really care when I read these reports today, all due respect to the work, and it was very thoroughly and sourced work. I didn't really care. I didn't gasp. I didn't look at it and say, well, now we know Paul Harvey style the rest of the story. I just said, well, how'd they get the information? Did they also send, excuse me, they didn't send anyone. <clears throat> Did a rogue staffer take it upon himself and let me emphasize, go rogue. And did he just, did, did they all have guys go rogue and go to another stadium and, and videotape this sort of thing? How did they get it? Really still all I care about. I've never seen what Michigan has been accused of doing, if that's the way it went down. I have seen what uh, Rutgers and Purdue and Ohio State and the like were accused of doing today. Seen that several times. So I didn't really get worked up about that all that much, but this dropped when it did for a reason. Like, I strangely am not even worried about what got reported today as it relates to Michigan. What's going to happen to Michigan, I don't necessarily know got changed a whole lot by what got released today. So that's where the racehorse blinders come in for me. I care about what's going to happen to Michigan because I really still feel like they're the only ones punitively on the hook up there. I don't think anyone involved in that report is going to get busted for any of that. And I don't think it's because everyone has an ax to grind out for Michigan necessarily. I just think nothing I read today in and of itself rises to the level of needing to be punished. Now, if it does come to light that those signals were acquired using electronics, therefore illegally obtained, well, that's a whole other story. No one brought that to me as of, again, five o'clock today. So I go back to the Sunday show. Because on the Sunday show, I told you, I thought the Big Ten imminently would be communicating with Michigan about potential punishment. That got reported like the next day. And so that's happened. And I think it was Pete Thamel uh, Monday who said, don't expect anything for about 48 hours because the Big Ten has to give Michigan 48 hours to respond and to mount a defense and to present their side of the argument and whatever. Um, we're, we're rapidly approaching that deadline. That's still where my focus is. Even in light of all the stuff coming out today, that's still where my focus is. I think that they suggested an extremely harsh punishment for Michigan. I think Michigan looked and called BS immediately on it. And I think that they are planning to mount a very, very strong legal counteroffensive. And I think that's where rubber meets the road because I guarantee you the folks in Schimbeckler Hall believe 
whatever they're mounting is going to be more than effective enough to stave off any kind of punishment that would derail this current run they're on. And I have it on fairly good knowledge. There are people on the other side of that fence that look at that and say, okay, you're about to learn a hard, hard lesson in who really swings the bigger hammer here. Now, I sit back, and to me, the law is like weather. And what I mean by that is weather and the law impact just about every one of you, just about every day, and 99% of the population is ignorant about both. I'm ignorant about one of them. I'm pretty good with weather. Atmospheric science, I can talk to you all day. The law, not so much. And I say that only to say, I have no clue how this is going to turn out. And that's where I end that. But I would like to address one more thing. And that is this uh, insinuation. Anytime I talk about this publicly, I'm presenting one side of the argument. And that's kind of been a copy and paste response from the vocal portion of the Michigan fan base publicly about anyone, anyone who's talking about this and doesn't outright paint a script M on your chest is out to get Michigan. Why? Why would I be out to get Michigan? Forget anyone else. I've, I've looked at this accusation one too many times in our live chat or our comment section or in Twitter replies. And it's not, it's not that it keeps me up at night. And it's really not that it, in fact, it doesn't bother me at all. That's totally fine. I'm just curious about it. I'm curious if you truly do believe that someone like me grew up in uh, West Central Georgia, that's, that's my real only affiliation to Columbus. Columbus, Georgia is where I grew up. I have no affiliation to Columbus, Ohio, or the Buckeyes at all. I am very curious what the evidence is you have that someone like me would be out to get Michigan. It's not really being out to get you. It's just seeing the situation outside of the maze and blue bubble and I'm not saying anything different, nor am I feeling any different towards this, as you would if it were Nebraska or Arizona. Just pick a random school out there. I know when it comes to your doorstep, it's a little bit different. And when it comes to your doorstep, you have an angle, you're emotionally invested, whereas otherwise you wouldn't be. Uh, you know, it is possible for someone to have a differing point of view than you without them being out to get you. I'm not out to get Michigan. Let me tell you what's in my best interest. Michigan winning football games is in my best interest and doing it clean and doing it out of this really, really weird, tainted spotlight that's on the program right now. Yeah, that gets you some traffic in the short term. I don't care about that because it's not the kind of show we like to do. I like to do the kind of show that we'll do in about 20 minutes when we preview Michigan versus Penn State and we're just talking about a football game. That's what I would prefer. So no one on this show is out to get you. But it just doesn't look good, and it hasn't for a while. And none of the most popular uh, defense stances that the Michigan fan base has taken make much sense to me. I get your point. I just don't think they're grounded in any kind of logic-based reasoning. That's what I think. And you're free to disagree. That's what God invented the comment section for. Let's move on. On Tuesdays on this show, what we like to do and it's a wild concept, you're just going to have to follow me and trust me on it for a second, is we like to talk about football games and predict them. <laughs> yeah, imagine folks like us left to our own devices to talk about this great game, and we got a few of them this Saturday. So in the interest of avoiding redundancy, I'm actually not going to do the Michigan-Penn State game first. I'm going to do it in a few minutes, 
I'm going to break up the monotony a little bit, and I'm going to lead, does anyone have a guess, with Ole Miss versus Georgia. So, this is Lane Kiffin's shot, man. Ole Miss versus Georgia, Saturday at 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. I'll promise you Sanford Stadium is going to be a factor here. It's going to be a big factor. Current fan duel number on this is Georgia minus 10 and a half. You shave out home field, and that's somewhere around a touchdown that is considered to be separating these teams on a neutral field. And Sanford Stadium gets a night game. A night game, top 15, I think. Jesse, where does the AP have Ole Miss ranked? they got to be top 15, right? I never look at the AP. I, I literally have no clue where the AP has teams ranked. Anyway, I'm very interested uh, in a number of things here. The first thing that I think will go a long way in deciding this game is, is Carson Beck just going to be sharp? We talked the other day about how all these first-year starters at quarterback had had their ups and downs, and Beck really hasn't. His downs have been so mild compared to what Jalen Milrow went through earlier in the year, what Drew Aller went through on the road against Ohio State. Joe Milton has looked terrible in like the Florida game earlier this year. Carson Beck hadn't had that. Doesn't mean he can't, just means he hadn't had it yet. Ole Miss is seventh in the country in sack rate. It may be the best pass rush Georgia will have faced so far this year. So I'm just interested, as that confidence starts to build in the play calling for Carson Beck and the execution within Carson Beck, if all of a sudden a little bit different kind of pressure is put on you, is there one or two errant balls? Do you get a, maybe, maybe a tip ball at the line of scrimmage that falls into the wrong pair of hands that changes the course of the game early and maybe you find yourself down like you did against South Carolina? Maybe it's not as easy to come back. That's the first thing I'm interested in. But the whole question about whether Georgia's defense can handle this Ole Miss offense is very abstract. That's like really wide, too wide of a net for me. So I want to look within the net and I want to focus on explosive plays because Ole Miss has 65 of them this year of 20 plus yards. That's good for third in the country. They've been really good at popping the explosive play. Georgia is number 12 defensively in preventing the explosive play. But that's where my Ole Miss brethren probably DM me or hop in the live chat and say, yeah, but what kind of offense has Georgia faced that would expose that vulnerability, even if it is a vulnerability? And my answer is, I'll grant you that. They haven't really faced any offense that's really built to do that. I mean, Auburn wasn't. I'm going to talk about the Auburn game in a second. I think there is something to glean from that. Uh, South Carolina really... In, in Sanford Stadium wasn't. We were dealing with road rattler that day instead of home rattler. So I guess to answer your question, if there is that crack in the dam for Georgia, maybe no one has been built to expose it. But that's if. That's if the crack is there. The second thing, at which coincides with the most important player in this game, is Jackson Dart has to play his full game. When I went to the Auburn game and I watched them push Georgia, and it was really close, it took Georgia until late in that game to grab a lead and hold on to it, I asked myself, why was it that close? Well, it was that close because Peyton Thorne had 12 carries for 92 yards that day, and Auburn ran it for nearly 220 total. A lot of that they had by the start of the fourth quarter. So the reason I mention that is because in terms of skill set, Jackson Dart's well beyond what Peyton Thorne is, but he is the most dangerous mobile threat they have seen since then. And you wonder again, if you're looking for cracks in the dam, if that's one, 
if that mo- if that mobile threat at quarterback, if just the ability to improvise on broken plays, if not designed play calling and mobility at quarterback may disproportionately give you trouble. Well, Jackson Dart's the guy to expose that, but he's got to have that combined with a really, really good showing through the air. And that doesn't mean throwing the ball 50 times or anything like that, but there's only so much you can do with a hot quarterback. You can go all the way back to when Kirby was at Bama. You, you face a hot quarterback in college, especially when you've had the talent that Georgia has had depart to the NFL. I don't even care if you do have the NFL talent there, but especially when you've watched those guys walk out the door and you're, you're continually trying to fill and fill and backfill, I guess. And then you get a hot quarterback. you got a lot of guys who have not seen that. There are a lot of guys on Georgia's defense right now that if Jackson Dart gets rolling, have not faced a quarterback playing like that. It's all an if. It's all an if. That's why I think he's one of the most important players in this game. If Ole Miss can't run it, though, they're in major trouble. Major trouble. Because Georgia is number three in the country defensively on third downs. They are great at getting teams off the field. And Ole Miss, and this could be a pre-paper pop. This could be a pre-padlock here. Ole Miss offensively is 97th on converting third downs. So you got to totally invert that stat profile. That's why I think Jackson Dart's legs are so important. And also, you know what? If we were to just take that stat further, Georgia's offense is fourth in the country on third down, and Ole Miss's defense is 81st. So I may have buried the lead. It may just be a third down game. Let's take a look at what the FanDuel number is right now compared to what the model thinks. The model is a little bit bigger on Georgia than the current FanDuel number, which is Georgia minus 10.5. The Pate State model has Georgia minus 11.5, but I'm not doing that because I think that we've probably inflated Georgia a tad in the model this year. So I'm going Georgia to win the game. I will go Ole Miss. Uh, with anything 10 or more, plus the points, obviously, is what I mean by that. It could get so real so quick here, though, because I want you to think about something for a second. If Georgia wins, forget everything I'm about to say. If Georgia loses, the next thing you do is you look at what Tennessee did earlier in the day. Jesse, what time does the Tennessee game start, by the way? 3.30. Okay, so the Tennessee game will have already been played. If Tennessee beats Missouri, and then later that night you watch Georgia lose to Ole Miss, you just set up an SEC East championship game next week in Knoxville. You essentially set up an SEC championship play-in game. It could happen that quick. And then I want you to think about this. Okay, everyone knows what the the glass half-full scenario is for Georgia, and they've earned benefit of the doubt. But there is this nightmare scenario, I call it the Oklahoma protocol, where in the span of eight days, your entire season gets wrecked. You're undefeated, you're on top of the world, you lose to Ole Miss, or in their case, you lose to Kansas, and then you lose to Tennessee, or in their case, you lose to Oklahoma State, and it's done. It's over. That's how quick it can happen. That's why coaches act so paranoid all the time. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. I'm taking Georgia to win, I'm taking Ole Miss to cover. But I, uh, at the very least, think this is the toughest test that Georgia will have faced so far this year. It's a lot to overcome. It's a lot to overcome for Ole Miss. Played at a neutral site, it's tough enough. That, that, is, that is playing 12 men Saturday night, playing against them in Sanford Stadium. Night game. They just don't get that a whole lot over there. So you got it to do, Lane Kiffin. You got it to do. But if they do, 
thread that needle and make it through there. They'll be in Atlanta. Someone's going to be in Atlanta. I just want you guys to be there, courtesy of Academy Sports and Outdoors, once we do get that SEC championship game matchup. Look, these people are as real as it gets. They're giving away a $10,000 Academy gift card. They're giving away two tickets to the SEC championship game. And what you need to do to qualify to win those is log into the Academy app. That's basically it. I don't know that we really offer many better deals on this show. I mean, we keep the show free because of Academy. That's a good deal to me. Academy Sports and Outdoors has been sort of locked arm in arm with us for a while. They've got everything you need. I mean, I almost, speaking of burying the lead, I bury that a lot. That You walk in there with a $10,000 gift card, you're a king. Uh, with a $100 gift card, you're kind of a king in there. But $10,000 is uh, a number a little bit too big for me to even comprehend right now. But you got all the equipment, you got all the grilling, you got all the fishing and camping supplies, you got everything you need at Academy. If you can't get there in person, academy.com. But do me a favor, someone in our audience needs to win this thing now. $10,000 in Academy gift cards and two SEC championship game tickets. Log into that Academy app, make it happen. Then I want to take a picture with you. It is void in Hawaii, Alaska, California, and New York. So the rest of you, game on. We always appreciate it our fine friends at Academy Sports and Outdoors. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Now, I think, what was it, Jesse? Probably about 10 minutes. So we, we let things cool off a little bit. And now, hey, it's time to talk about the game we're going to be at. So. This is precautionary, by the way. If anyone is concerned, mainly my mother, uh, this is precautionary. I'm still drinking the hot water during the show because I am petrified when we're doing live shows like we are right now of the voice going back out because I really think I'm only like 85% in terms of vocal recovery. And if you don't know what happened, sorry, I don't want to revisit that story. It was a really, really tough time for me. So I'm going to take a sip here. And then we're about to get into what I consider the game of the week. The sip is completed. Let's get into what I consider the game of the week. Michigan, Penn State, big noon kickoff from State College, Pennsylvania this Saturday. The Once Upon a Saturday Tour will be right there on the sidelines in Beaver Stadium. The last time I was up there was this spring, and we did a full tour, and it's very interesting because of what I'll tell you about in just a second. But I was driving around Nashville last night, and all of a sudden my phone blows up, and a bunch of folks said, hey man, Reese Davis just gave you and the show a shout out over on the College Game Day pod. So I said, well, what were they talking about? And they said, that 
that James Franklin stat about being overrated. Aha. So courtesy of Reese Davis, uh, because until this point, I had largely forgotten we put this stat out. Let's just brush this bad boy back off. If you think James Franklin is overrated, you are wrong. If you think he should win more, that's a different conversation. But that and being overrated, two different things. So to be overrated, you have to constantly fail to meet the bar that's being set for you. I don't think there's any better bar. I don't think there's any better metric in sports than what the odds on your games are. And so here we go. Padlock stat. James Franklin, who to me is the most properly rated coach in major college football, is 3-16 and 16 at Penn State versus top 10 teams. But that's straight up. He's 3-16 and 16 straight up. So you think to yourself, that's terrible. Josh, of course he's overrated. No, he's not. Out of those 19 games, he was a point spread favorite in one of them. And he won that game. He actually won two other games. He was an underdog in. So look, I'm not going to tell you he's underrated, but he actually qualifies as being underrated more than he does being overrated. And yet I will still listen to people. If they go on to lose this game Saturday, even if they lose by a last second field goal in a game they're a five and a half point dog in, I'll have people tell me he's overrated. That's not what that word means. I don't think that word means what you think it means. And so with that in mind, I saw in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Jim Harbaugh pulled one of the more appropriate strings of the season and he brought Ric Flair in. Ric Flair was long known as the dirtiest player in the game, the ultimate heel, a traveling champion. And it was interesting because I think one of the biggest, mm, it's not a metric, one of the biggest facets involved in this game is what we call squash protocol. You could call it college football inflation, but I always call it squash protocol. And it's very appropriate that he brought a pro wrestler in like Ric Flair, because Ric Flair was one of the best of all time. You know, not quite Shawn Michaels, of course, but one of the best of all time. We'll have that debate separately if you guys want to. In wrestling, there is something called a squash match. A squash match is when you have an established star and you just need them to get over two and two and a half, maybe three minute match give the folks what they want. They get out there, they break a sweat, they hit their finisher, one, two, three, squash match, usually against a no-name opponent. In college football, this happens sometimes. Your East Carolinas, your, your Bowling Greens, all due respect, even the Minnesotas, Nebraskas of the world this year, Indiana, those are squash matches, man. That's fine. And Michigan beat the devil out of folks, and that's fine. But sometimes what happens in squash protocol is this inflation, this, this incremental inflation happens. It's like if, if you've got a seventh grader who just walks in a third grade classroom and starts fighting third graders and, you know, pounds them all into the ground. He's still a seventh grader. But imagine how dumb you would be if you watched him victorious third grader after third grader after third grader, and you kept building that seventh grader up just a little bit more in your mind after every fight. No, you had him right the first time. You had him pegged right the first time. I have a suspicion about Michigan. When we came into this season, folks thought pretty highly of Michigan. Most people had him top five. They didn't have him a slam dunk number one. They didn't have him as a runaway freight train favorite to win the title. They had him squarely in the top five. Then they started beating inferior competition. That's no knock on Michigan. They may very well be a runaway freight train. 
But that alone is not evidence of anything. And so I'm very suspicious if that, that artificial inflation has happened a little bit with this team, just because you can't help but watch those final scores and build up a little bit more in your mind week by week the quality of that team. It may just be that Michigan's a really, really good team that's not elite, that's posing as elite. The good news is we start to find out Saturday. So that's the backdrop around which I view this game. We were at Penn State in the spring, like I said, and what was funny about that trip is we were in the building multiple days. It felt like the Michigan game had just happened. At 418 is a number that is burned into every brain up there around every corner you walk, 418 yards rushing. That's what Michigan had against them last year. 55 carries, four touchdowns, 418 on the ground, multiple explosive plays, and that's all anyone really cared to talk about without talking about it. Very, very clear attitude of making sure that never happens again, and nobody has run on Penn State all year. It's the best run defense in Power 5. And I'm telling you, I don't think Michigan's going to have a great deal of success doing it Saturday. And that's not really a one-off. Michigan's been good running the ball this year. I don't think they're an elite running team. Now, they could, they could very well have played the games they've played to this point, mainly because they've been set up with short fields because they're so good defensively, and maybe because they've known they can manage games a certain way, and maybe they're capable of much more on the ground than we've seen. Maybe that's the case. I happen to think that Penn State's going to do a fairly good job of keeping them contained on the ground Saturday. So if that's the case, I think the national perception of this game may be off. The national perception with a total in the mid-40s, the FanDuel over-under right now is 45 and a half. I think the perception is ground and pound, plodding, uh, running back dominated, and I'm not sure that's the case. I think it's a quarterback game. I think it's McCarthy. I think it's Aller. And I'm not saying it's Aller versus McCarthy because they're never on the field at the same time. But you give Drew Aller a clean pocket Saturday. And I think they have a chance to invert uh, one of the things that's cost them big time this year. And that is they can't push the ball down the field. They have been 127th nationally in explosive play rate. But as Meemaw said, and as I continue to maintain, what has been doesn't always have to be. And so Dante Sivas looked a lot better. He's come along lately. You got him. You got Lambert Smith. You got those tight ends. What if they just start popping some plays because he's got a cleaner pocket and plays better at home this Saturday? That's the Penn State side of things. With J.J. McCarthy, there is a lot that's been made in Ann Arbor about how much better he is as a complete version of a quarterback. You just not really know it until he faces legitimate competition. You guys haven't watched Michigan games. This is the first Michigan game we've broken down on this show all year. He's, he's been a name that's on everyone's radar because he's a superstar in the college game. But you haven't been watching him. You'll see him this Saturday. A lot of you, the last time you saw McCarthy play for an extended period of time was the TCU game last year. And that's okay. I'm not begging you to watch Michigan UNLV. I'm not begging you to do that. But if... If Penn State does what they're capable of in their secondary, it's not going to be a Roman Wilson show. I mean, all due respect to Wilson, he's not Marvin Harrison. I don't think they've got a receiver at Michigan that's just going to carve up this secondary, which is not the end of the world. That just means you better have the quarterback that can distribute the ball. And J.J. McCarthy can do that. And so it may be like this game we watched last Saturday down in Tuscaloosa where 
Bama's wide receiver one had three catches for like 20-something yards, Jermaine Burton. And yet seven other guys caught balls. Maybe that's the kind of day Michigan has this Saturday. My biggest concern with them, though, is as much as you want to talk about how veteran-laden this team is, as much as you want to talk about how mature they've been and they've embraced the role of villain, they know everyone's out to get them, they know everyone's pulling against them, they're blocking out the noise, they're not. It's impossible because you're humans. And uh, so you will never convince me they've blocked the noise out. You'll never convince me that this hasn't been somewhat of a distraction. The question is, how do you harness it? Because something like this can actually work to your benefit just as easily as it can work to your detriment. It's all about how those guys are wired. It's all about who the alphas in the room are. And when they start pulling a certain direction, which direction are they going? And does everyone else follow? Because they could really go full heel mode if they go in here Saturday and it's 38 to 10 or it's 27 to 6 or something like that and it's ugly and they're beating Penn State the exact same way they've beaten other teams this year. All that's on the table. Let's take a look at what the FanDuel number is compared to the model. The FanDuel number right now, and it's Tuesday night as we're doing this show, is Michigan minus 5.5. The total's in the mid-40s. Not a lot of scoring is expected here. The Pate State number is dead on with FanDuel. We've got Michigan minus five and a half. I said earlier in the season that I was circling this game. And then after the Penn State-Ohio State game, I said I was circling this game. Because I think a lot of folks had a script written for this year. They thought when it comes to Penn State, they thought Penn State matched up okay with Ohio State. They matched up horribly with Michigan. I have felt the opposite, and nothing's changed about that. Pick Penn State to lose to Ohio State. I think they're going to beat Michigan outright Saturday. Not cover the spread. I think Penn State's going to win the game outright because I think there is a lot that Michigan will see Saturday for the first time. And what I love is that when Penn State looks backwards, it's nothing but the edge of a cliff. This is it. This is it. Your 2023 college football life is on the line Saturday. And you want to call it wounded animal mode, you can. I just think they got a good enough football team. It's not smoke and mirrors. Like, I didn't say anything about special teams. I didn't say anything about turnover margin. If you win those, great. I think Penn State just can win a straight-up football game against Michigan because I think they're good enough to. And I think they'll find a way Saturday. And if they do, then um, not that Ohio State and Michigan needed any more marquee around it, but Imagine what that would do. Then we get into tiebreaker scenarios, by the way, in the Big Ten, and that will be wonderful. But I'm taking Penn State to win the game outright. And while I'm at it, that's a Ramen Noodle Express best bet. Penn State plus five and a half. We'll go ahead and add that right now. And if you so choose, I would encourage you to go to PayStateMaterial.com because that is where our commemorative Once Upon a Saturday shirt featuring our trip to this game Saturday can be found. And uh, it'll be available until Saturday night. And then it'll be gone. And this is the only trip that we're going to make to Penn State this year. And we've been looking forward to it. Hoped that this game would pan out with the magnitude it has. And there you have it. Once upon a Saturday tour there in State College, PA, November 11th, 2023. Where were you? No one can say for sure. It hasn't happened yet. But uh, love that shirt. We've been getting rave reviews on the quality of those shirts, by the way. And yet I still have not gotten my hands on one, which seems a little wrong. I'll be real. Seems a little wrong. We'll probably have to rectify that. Looking forward to being up there. Looking forward to seeing some folks from both programs Saturday. 
And uh, what a game that's going to be. Noon kickoff. So wake up early, get the chores done, and settle in. Game of the week is high noon on the East Coast. Why don't we do something for just a second here that's sure to bring us all together? Let's just go ahead and unveil the JP poll for week 11, Colin. Let's go ahead and do it. And uh, the JP poll, right now, right in advance of the college football playoff rankings being dropped, has nothing to do with the playoff rankings. I almost thought about releasing to you what my playoff committee ranking would be, but I didn't because I don't care enough about it. Having said that, what I'm about to show you has nothing to do with rankings because they're not rankings. But what this is, is me dialing up the model, which is built to produce its own unique point spread and tell me who it would favor against who on a neutral field. And that's the power ratings we have. So this is way different. I mean, we're going to have multi-loss teams still in the top 25. And, you know, Air Force is a good example. A lot of you came at me last week. Where's Air Force? Why aren't they in the top 25? Then they got smoked by Army, and no one comes at me about Air Force on Sunday. Not everyone who has a certain record deserves to be in the JP poll. You may deserve the AP, but we have a little higher standard and a different standard around here. Oklahoma State's finally in this thing. Finally. I had to fight. I had to protest my own model. But finally, we got Oklahoma State. So let's take a look at 25 through 21. The Cowboys are at number 24. It's SMU 25, Oklahoma State 24, Utah still holding there at 23, UCLA, I don't know what to do with the quarterback situation. They lost both quarterbacks in their loss last week to Arizona. They're at 22, still a good football team. And Louisville's at 21. Uh, I think that Arizona's the big story. You notice how you don't see Arizona there? It's not because they dropped out. It's because they're in the top 20. Let's roll it, Colin. That's actually one of my biggest takeaways from the top 25 is let's get to the top 20. Missouri's at 20. Clemson's right back there. Once I found out they had a pulse, they got a plenty talented enough roster, which goes into a lot of what makes this up. Clemson's at 19. I'll get back to A&M because I know you're going to have questions about that. Oregon State's at 17. Arizona is to 16. I cannot believe that because a lot of times, as you guys know, what happens with some of these flavor of the month type teams is they'll be ranked, but you'll look at the JP poll, you'll look at You'll look at Bill Connolly's numbers, or you'll look at the Vegas odds-making numbers, and that team's nowhere to be found. And Arizona's the exception. Legitimately good football team. Like, we would favor them. The model would favor them against Clemson if they played today. Never thought I'd say that in a million years. A&M's at 18. I knew, and, and still know, that I'll get a ton of pushback on that. I knew, uh, what are they, a four-loss team now, Jesse? Three-loss, four-loss probably going to end up being seven and five. And how in the world could that be 18? Well, I want you to think about this. So our whole purpose with this is neutral field favorability, right? So last week, uh, A&M was number 16. They played the number 17 team, Ole Miss, at Ole Miss. So if you factor in home field, that would lead to Ole Miss minus about three, according to the model. Ole Miss won by three. The casual looks at that and says, A&M lost again. Now you got to bump them out. The model looks at it and says, A&M did exactly what I say it should have done. And that's the model talking. And so it's not going to bump A&M at all. A&M went virtually unchanged this week. They did exactly what they should have done if they are the 16th team in the country playing number 17 in number 17's building. They should have lost by about two or three. 
and they did. That's validation. That's not an indictment. That's validation. And you either get that or you don't. Move on. Uh, Top 15 here. You know who else I don't hear about anymore? I don't hear anyone talking about Oklahoma anymore. OU beat Texas, and we never bumped them up high. And uh, we got labeled haters, and they were undefeated for a while. We never bumped them up anywhere close to top five. And now they've lost two games, and we hadn't dropped them a whole lot. Why? Because we had Oklahoma pegged right the whole season. It's just that the people who called us stupid and called it flawed and whatnot, they're nowhere to be found. We show up every week. Me and the model show up every week. Where are you guys? I haven't gotten a single apology letter. Jesse, can you believe that? Uh, one game can be a prison, as Meemaw used to say. Don't fall victim to one game. The Oklahoma against Texas imprisoned some of you mentally, and you refused to look and see there may be some flaws on this team. There, it, one game may not spell out the entirety of what I need to know about a team. You know what else I remember is I remembered that I explained this the right way. I said, hey, the JP polls about who would be favored against two on a neutral field according to the model. Well, we, we favored Texas against Oklahoma on a neutral field. They played on a neutral field. Oklahoma wins on the neutral field. I come out the following week and say, well, we'd favor Texas again if they played on a neutral field. And some of you said, that makes no sense. They just played. We saw the game. And I told them, you saw one version of the game. Texas would still be favored this next week. That was never opinion, by the way. It was just a fact. Like, like odds makers themselves would have told you that. Anyway, I had some of you come back at me and say, no, no, no. If the game just happened on a neutral field, the team that won would be favored. That's the way it works. And I said, you guys remember a couple of years ago, SEC championship game, Bama versus Georgia. Georgia's favored. Bama smokes them, 41-24. They play a month later. Georgia's still favored. And by the way, guess who won the rematch? So one game is one game. That's what it is. Now, the next thing that happens is a lot of times people will say, oh, so you're telling me outcomes on the field don't matter? No, friend. No. This thing right here, what we're doing, is in a total separate bubble. This isn't even merit. It's not competition. That's not what our bubble's about. This is a bubble for people who are interested on what an odds maker would say about teams this upcoming week. It is futuristic. It's forward thinking. We don't care about what has happened in the past in terms of wins and losses. We only care about that as much as it is baked into a very weighted stat profile that makes up a team. I do this every week. I don't know why. I do it every week. get worked up over this. Do it every single week. But anyway, so, you know, one game. What does it mean? If we're talking about rankings, if I'm on the playoff committee, I, I, hey, if Oklahoma hadn't blown their shot, I'd have Oklahoma above Texas, would have, because I care about results on the field. But when it comes to this sort of thing, I don't, because this isn't merit-based. Uh, Washington's at 11 is the other thing that I want to point out here. I'll get a ton of blowback on that as well. The model is seeing some of the same deficiencies in Washington that it saw with Oklahoma. Not a bad team, really good team, actually. It's just that it thinks the ceiling on Washington is lower. And there are several teams that it, the model, would favor against Washington. Now, I will tell you this. I believe odds makers would disagree with me on this. I do not think, in other words, Colin, in fact, go ahead and show me 10 through 6. I don't think that Vegas, for example, I don't think the folks at FanDuel, in other words, 
would favor Kansas State over Washington. I doubt they'd favor Penn State over Washington. So that's where the model has gone a little rogue. But you know what? It went rogue on Oklahoma, too. And it ended up being right. So we'll see. Uh, Kansas State's 10. LSU is 9. LSU wasn't going to drop a whole lot uh, because we got Bama rated where they should be, not where the AP has them. Penn State has vaulted. That little offensive outburst they had against Maryland mattered to the model. It's crazy what it values and what it doesn't, by the way. Penn State's at eight, jumped up seven spots. Penn State's power rating jumped up 2.6 points from last week. That's a big jump for those uninitiated. Texas is seven. FSU is six. Let's take a look at the top five. I believe Bama's five. Yep. It's Ohio State four. Georgia three. Oregon is as high as they've ever been. Oregon is our number two team in the country this week. Michigan's still number one. We have got a five-point gap between Michigan and Bama. Oregon and Washington is very interesting because that may be a rematch in the Pac-12 championship game, and that'll be the next version of, well, we already saw the game and someone won, so how could you still favor the team that lost? The model would favor Oregon by eight and a half points on a neutral field against Washington right now. No way Vegas puts that out. So if the game happens and not much changes, Oregon will be a massive auto play for us. Because there is no shot that Vegas puts Oregon out as an eight-point favorite. They will have Oregon favored. I, I bet you they will, unless quarterbacks get hurt. Also, for those interested in what the model would think about the SEC championship game if it happened today, Georgia minus one and a half against Bama. Wow, what a winding road it took to basically get to where those teams are even again. Now, Georgia folks don't believe they're even. Uh, don't worry, you'll probably have your chance to back that up with your wallet if, if we're headed where I think we're headed. All right, let's dive right back in here because we got a couple of more games to break down. And I got to speed up because they're about to do that rankings reveal and I got to go on HQ in a second. But don't worry, don't worry. We're going to do this responsibly. Um. Yeah, let's do this one. So the CBS 330 game of the week this week is Tennessee at Missouri. It's a wounded animal special. It is a wounded animal spot for Missouri. They just lost to Georgia, and now they come home. They're a one-and-a-half-point dog, according to FanDuel, against Tennessee. Missouri's fourth-ranked opponent in their last five games. This is called the meat of your schedule, in other words. I want to remind you again how close we are. The SEC East feels decided, but it's not. We are so close. We are teetering on a chaos situation where if Tennessee wins this game and Georgia loses to Ole Miss, Tennessee-Georgia is for the East next week in Neyland Stadium. It, that's all it takes. There's not a three, four, and five on that. That's all it would take. The matchup of the day here is Tennessee's run game against Missouri's run defense. Tennessee is averaging... 227 per game on the ground. Missouri is allowing 114. So that's third in the country for Tennessee. That's about 26th in the country for Missouri. If Tennessee can run the ball, of course, I don't really need to tell you how much that opens up their explosive play potential through the air. But they didn't have that against Florida. They didn't run the ball well. They didn't run the ball well in the second half against Bama. And so if Missouri possesses the ability to, you know, bottle up or duplicate some of what they were able to do, and both of those were Tennessee on the road. This is Tennessee on the road here. Well, then all of a sudden, my eyes turn to Brady Cook, quarterback there at Missouri. 
He started hot. His last three games have been nothing to write home about. Passing numbers have dropped off a cliff. But while Tennessee's pretty good against the run, their pass defense is 54th in the country. So maybe, just maybe, this is where Brady Cook finds his second win. Missouri, it's a funny thing, by the way, about how they score. When they get in the red zone, there is nobody better in America at scoring. They are 37 of 38 in red zone scoring opportunities. The problem is, it's all field goals. They are 40th in the country in touchdown rate. They don't break the end zone. That's what hurt them against Georgia. Uh, Georgia had a lot to say about that and a lot to do with that. They got to score sevens or score sixes and then do whatever they want to after that. Keep an eye on Tennessee's pass rush in this game, by the way. They're a top 10 sack unit. Uh, It's the best pass rush Missouri will have faced. Luther Burden is questionable in this game, by the way, which would change the entire dynamic of their attack. As you see, the FanDuel number is Tennessee minus one and a half. Colin, what does the model think? You want to talk about some tight numbers this week. One and a half. FanDuel number, Pate State model number, dead even. I trust Josh Heupel in this spot. Trust a Josh when going gets tough. And so I'm going to go Tennessee to win and cover, minus one and a half, it's essentially the same thing. And I am going to really be interested if that goes down, because obviously then all eyes turn to that Georgia Ole Miss game that night. Uh, Tennessee got a ton to play for here. And you can see the light at the end of the tunnel now. It's tough when you're still in late October. There's so many variables. But now you understand, we win this game. Lane Kiffin does something for us for a change. And then all of a sudden, uh, game on next week. Woo. I happen to know some folks high up in management around CBS that would not be mad if that were to happen. Jesse, let's make an executive call here. Let's do USC Oregon Thursday night. Because, well, we're behind schedule right now. I do have a flight to catch after all. They're watching us in Louisville, Kentucky, Houston, Texas, and Bismarck, North Dakota. I do want to tell you one thing. We were just talking about the number on that game. And I, you know, I would imagine a lot of folks, especially around Nashville, look at Tennessee minus one and a half and say, oh, give it to me. Well, go take it. But do it at FanDuel. That's my, that's my advice to you. Do it at FanDuel. We are proud to partner with them right now. New FanDuel customers, and I want you to listen close because it's going to sound like I misspeak, but I'm not. You get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Do the math there. It really works out in your favor. That's $150 in bonus bet if you bet $5. And I don't care if you win or lose. Let me rephrase. They don't care if you win or lose. I'll be real with you. They'd prefer you lose. They don't want me to tell you that. But we know how it works. That's why we mount up. We, in this show, mount up with the Ramen Noodle Express every week, and and we go to battle. They're friends. FanDuel's our friend, but we go to battle against them every Saturday. I'll give you some best bets in a second, actually. Just go to FanDuel.com backslash CFB promotion. If you don't feel like typing that, the link is right here in the YouTube description. So go there and get your money. Get 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 your coin. Everybody else has got some out there. Go get some of your own. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Uh, Speaking of which, you know, when FanDuel and I were talking, they said, Hey, the Ramen Noodle Express, how, how do we get to be a part of that? And I said, well, just like this. The Ramen Noodle Express presented by FanDuel is ready to add one, two, three more best bets. And so we already put Pitt minus one on here. That moved to three. I hope you got on that early. Ball State plus ten and a half was down to nine and a half at last check. Hope you got on that one early. I think that game's tonight, by the way. I'm adding three more games here. I love Oregon minus 14 and a half. I love that number. I think people look at it and they're scared because it's 14 and a half. Uh-uh. Uh, should be closer to 20. And so we're taking Oregon minus 14 and a half. Texas Tech plus three and a half against Kansas. Tricky spot for Kansas with Kansas State on deck next week. And you just heard me about 15 minutes ago tell you Penn State plus five and a half. We're, we're thinking they may win outright. So we're going to take them plus the points. Penn State, Texas Tech, Oregon, Ball State, and Pitt. Those were our five best bets. Hey, about to go up to New York later tonight. Be on Inside College Football tomorrow night. Normal show Thursday night. So a lot going on. Keep everyone's fingers crossed that the voice holds up. Appreciate you guys, as always. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and subscribe to the podcast, by the way, if you haven't. For Producer Jesse, Director Colin, I'm Josh Bate. Take care. Have a great rest of your evening, and God bless. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required, bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800 800- 
327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.